I'm Alicia Galati. And I'm Jada Smith. And this and is this Two is Sisters in a Cult. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> We're so excited that you're listening. We grew up in a cult. Yeah, yeah, we did. Ish. I don't Cultish. It was very culty. And yeah, we wanted to bring light to a lot of the cults that are both historical and nowadays more current cults. And kind of just share that stuff with you, share information with you all. And more just to bring it to light. We're not going to take this space to bash or shame or any of that kind of stuff. No bashing. Yeah, no bashing. We want to make sure that we also are super respectful to the victims of the cult. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the stuff that we see, uh, whether it's online or talking about, you know, podcasts about cults or books about cults, there's always this idea, like, how could you fall into a cult? But mm. our mom did and was there for 10 years. And we want to be able to bring that information very succinctly to you, audience. For this episode, we want to talk about uh, what is a cult and what is a religion? Because from my understanding <laughs> of research, it is very clear to me that a lot of religions started out as cults but we'll go through the history of it and all that stuff. As we kind of researched these cults and looked through them, we found some very typical cult traits. Mm -hmm. This is what we are basing our kind of criteria on. So typical cult traits include the fact that the group will practice an unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical belief leader is not accountable to any authority besides themselves or, you know, some supposed higher power. They use manipulation, abuse, or illegal actions to influence and control the group, which manipulation often uh, begins as requiring extreme dedication, financial or physical sacrifice. Physical sacrifice would definitely, I, I feel, qualify as abuse. Mm-hmm. They typically target vulnerable people who are in very vulnerable positions in their lives, already predisposed to be looking for somebody to help or take away the pain or, you know, something. Mm -hmm. The leader dictates how members feel, think, and act, what to wear, where to live, how to discipline your children, where to work. And any questioning, doubt, and dissent are discouraged and even punished. Um, the group is pressured by their leader into seclusion, like no contact with families, disconnect with past relationships, anybody that's not a group member, you live in the community. Use of certain practices are used to suppress doubts in the group, like meditation, physical labor, debilitating work routines. The group it would also be encouraged to actively recruit new members. The leader would change their name, usually or the names of their followers to something that kind of denotes their power or supposed grandiose spirituality. And this is my favorite. I just I <laughs> like, like you never see a, a cult leader that's like, yeah, you know, my name is Tom Bob. <laughs> right. That's, that's not ever how it goes. It's like, nope, I am badassery Jacob. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Badass Re Jacob, son of the divine, sent by heaven himself. Oh, yeah. It's very uh, Daenerys of the House Targaryen, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
anything in this podcast that we talk about or say, um, one, we don't want to get sued because apparently cults really like to sue people who talk bad about them. So we'll steer clear of a few of those, uh, the ones that are known to do that kind of thing. But anything that is in this podcast is based solely on our research and our opinions. Right. We don't mean to slander or uh, give any false accusations or anything. Nothing like that. Yeah. No. And if we do, then we apologize. So we strictly want this to be research based um, and our opinions based on um, from our own lens of being in a cult. Mm -hmm. We want it to be informative for people and uh, something cathartic for us, but we don't want to bother anybody. So one thing that I love, if you scour the forums about cult leaders, there's a lot that people say about them. And you typically they're male cult leaders, but yeah. we're definitely going to talk about some lady ones because the one that we grew up in was a lady one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Female leader. She was married, but uh, she was the um, the leader of the group. And... <laughs> Uh, we want to make sure the director we, remember the director. Yes, yes, the director. <laughs> uh, we want to make sure we bring that to light that it's not the group won't always be led just by a male, but mm-hmm. usually what it is, and it's something of a sex cult. Uh, I found yeah. this quote on a forum that I just I laughed so hard because it's sad but true. Baby Bottle Pop said on a forum, "All these cults are the same." Quote, God's love for my penis is as crucial as the end of the world. (laughs) It's true. Like, they just, they think that, and, you know, sometimes I'm wondering if it's like that, that big truck syndrome, where if they have a big truck, they really have a little penis. How many people can I get to follow my tiny penis? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's beyond me. (laughs) I mean, I don't have one, so I couldn't say. No, no, me neither. <laughs> but I've always, I've always found it very interesting that it's usually the sex cults are very focused on um, the end of the world and mm. a penis. Not these female ones. Those ones are going to be a lot more mental. Um, and yeah. we'll talk a lot about that, that mental aspect of the female-led cults. There are some male cults that are like that, but sex cults are usually about a penis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lots of penis. Oh, yeah. So many penises. One thing that you might have heard about is NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And this is a sales tactic, but it's also used by cults to help their followers shift their frame of mind. And that's something that we're going to be talking about a lot. We'll go into what is an NLP, how you can find out more about it. Uh, you can take classes on how it's like taking a hypnosis class, you know, back in the seventies, mm-hmm. you could just subscribe to it and they would send it to you in the mail in sales. I think it's dangerous. Some people absolutely swear by it and have made multi-million dollar businesses from using NLP. But then I also wonder, like, do you really feel good about almost kind of tricking people into buying your shit? Right. I feel like a lot of marketing is that now, whether they're trying to utilize it or not. Yeah. I mean, they sexualize nearly everything in most commercials that you see on TV. Mm -hmm. Everything is like, hey, this burger 
pretty lady titties. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I want to eat at Hardee's. (laughs) Right? No, you don't. You just want titties, but you don't know that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I think about even the the Subaru commercials. Mm, Family love thing. Yeah, so they're always talking about like... Do you love your teenagers? You know, like you see a teenager, mm-hmm. they're almost getting to an accident. We care about your teenagers. And it tugs on the heartstrings. Um, right. I did take a marketing class in college, and now I forget what it's called. Uh, but it's a type of marketing strategy where you pull on people's uh, desire to connect and care mm-hmm. about the people they love. And it can be pretty crummy, I feel like. Um, but it's a super effective way of marketing. hmm mm-hmm. And these cults do the same thing. They they tug on the heartstrings of, you know, people who have either lost someone they love or are struggling in a real type of way and don't feel like they can connect to anyone else out in the world. And it's extreme. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Absolutely sad. It's like individually, I don't know, very pointed marketing. You find out what this person wants and then you get that string into their mind or heart or whatever and you tug on it mm-hmm. and then you find out what the next person wants and you pull on that one it's different than just i mean marketing is sort of a large scale thing and this just devious and very individualistic yeah if the word that comes to mind is nefarious nefarious mm, yes i love it <laughs> so we're gonna go into a history lesson and you know what, Jada, I was thinking um, while I was doing this research, I hated history growing up. <laughs> what about you? I actually loved it. There were some things that I liked more than others. I really liked following the genealogies of certain royal families, but it was um, read it, answer the questions, do the test sort of subject. What did you hate about it? I hated the whitewashedness of it. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I really don't care about a cologne, like a bunch of colonists that came over and like mm-hmm. massacred. That's not the right word. Right. And Mass- they don't even yeah. talk about the massacre. They're just like, eh, they got diseases. We gave them stuff. They died. It, you know, we gave them shit and they died. Like, no, that's not exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, it's no. so much more than that. The fact that I feel like I didn't have a good history of. African-American history mm-hmm. growing up. It was very whitewashed mm-hmm. and Christian washed um, since mm-hmm. that was the version of cult that we grew up in. I found a lot of trouble in my adult life with not knowing anything about African or African-American history because there's so little information to begin with because we went in and took everybody. But mm-hmm. also just because they because they were taken, they have so little connection. I mean, fully American African people have so little of their own history to look back on and share. And I feel like we are part Puerto Rican, and then we have different dads. Yeah. Which is Arawak, Taino, Native Americans. Right, but like we never learned about that. Nope. Not in school. It's frustrating for me now, looking back and realizing that information was so selective that was mm-hmm. given to us in our textbooks. And the, the program I used was different than the program. The, the homeschool program I used was different than the homeschool program you used. But yes. I feel that since they were both uh, very Christian based, 
Yeah. They were very similar in a sense of like, this is what we teach in history. This is what we don't. Yeah. It's a very limited view. Yes. And I realized too, like, okay, so Chris, my husband grew up Catholic and he'd never heard about the Catholic crusades. Really? But because I grew up Christian, that's Mm -hmm. all they talk about. The evil Catholics, gosh, they just went and they just murdered people. So many people. <laughs> like, and it's like, so did you. <laughs> and then you look at the Old Testament. Holy fucking shit. Oh my God. I can't even get into it. <laughs> Do you want to know how many people the devil killed? Job's children. That is literally it. Job's children and the people that were in the building that fell on them. God killed everybody else. Yeah, according to the Bible. According to the Bible, you know, which has been uh, retold billions of times in billions of different languages. I was explaining to Chris the other day because he doesn't know anything about anything and that has to do with like Christianity. He's very lim- uh, minimal, uh, under- like mm. understanding of what uh, the Catholic beliefs are and all that stuff. He just went when he was younger um, and he went to like a little private Catholic school when he was growing like um, in elementary school. Was he baptized? Did he get a new name? I don't even know. I'd be interested to find out if you can. <laughs> yeah, I can ask him. We never even talked about that. I just remember like last Easter because Chris homeschools our two boys and we use a secular four day a week, very like, it's called Bookshark. We love it. It is not based on it. Like they don't talk about any religion and it's all about learning through doing and reading. Oh, I love that. That makes me so excited for my baby nephew. Yes, <laughs> it's so good. And so uh, Chris likes to take them to homeschool groups so that way they get, you know, involved with other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up, it was around Easter time last year, and they told the story of Jesus and stuff because hashtag welcome to the South. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. And so he turns to me, and I think I told you this when it happened, but he turns to me and he's, he's explaining to me, he's like, yeah, and then they said, he, they said that Jesus got betrayed by like some some Judas dude, and they told this other guy that the turkey's gonna crow three times. <laughs> yes, I was like, it was it was a rooster. He goes, I knew it was some type of poultry. <laughs> I mean, the albatross yells. I don't know. There was something. <laughs> All that stuff, you know. <laughs> Um, I love it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But like, he doesn't really have any understanding of like what I feel like I was inundated with every year that we did a yeah. new history program. You learned about this stuff. And it's like my, my view of the world when I graduated high school and we left the camp, like I didn't know anything. Yeah. Except the really unimportant shit. And I I get laughed at a lot now. I don't know if you do, but sometimes I just say things out loud, random facts that pop into my head in relation to the conversation. And people are like, why the, why do you know that? Are are you crazy? (laughs) What? And I'm like, yes, I grew up in a cult. (laughs) I, man, I, I don't know how many times I've had to tell people I grew up in a cult and they're like, like I'm in the work office and they're like, Alicia, what kind of music do you want to play? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I literally like everything because it's not. It's new. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give me not. anything. <laughs> and like, I can be like s- skimming through the radio 
and I can hear, hear five seconds of a song and know it's a Christian song. Yes, same. They all follow like the same chord progression, I swear. They must, because it's just insane. <laughs> and I feel like people just, they don't see it. They don't understand. But if you've been in a cult, or you grew up in a cult, you understand these things. I saw this mm-hmm. girl uh, the other day. Actually, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what this person recognizes themselves as. Okay. But they said they grew up in a uh, religious abusive relationship with their parents. And so now mm. that they're out, they were saying how amazing it is to do your own taxes or to do taxes. That when you've had someone control your money for years, mm. something as simple as taxes feels like the biggest step toward your own freedom. Yeah. Like I can relate to a lot of that. I definitely feel that for sure. There's a lot of things that give me um sort of, I don't want to claim anxiety attacks, but I, I definitely freak the fuck out because mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it and nobody ever told me how to do it and then I got to do it. And when I finally do it, I'm like, that was the worst, but I feel great. Yeah, but like I could tell you the years of all of the Catholic Crusades and who the fuck died during that. Right, right. <laughs> it makes no sense. I can tell you Saladin was the king. Yeah, I can sew a button on, I can bake a cake, I could probably yep. play some mandatory sports. Like, Oh my god, let's not get into dodgeball. <laughs> let's no. not. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Do you remember Foursquare? Foursquare, yes. Foursquare. <laughs> a- apparently <laughs> people outside of there played Foursquare. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't remember. I was talking to somebody about it, or it was in a movie or something, um, but I think it was more of a 90s game. Mm. than 2000s like when we were that explains quite a bit when i got out i felt like we had been stuck in like the the late 90s for the, however long we were there into the 2000s mm-hmm. i think we left in like 2010 but for that decade we were we were still in the 20th century for sure those big old computers and the, the clothes and shit so we left and then we came back yeah um but that was 2010 10. yes yeah. but we left left in 2013 because that's when i moved in with chris mm, okay yeah yep, yep. yeah so all that to say that i hated history growing up <laughs> and that's because i felt like I, it's kind of like i almost instinctively knew that there had to be more information right that this is bullshit whitewashed information that I was getting was not accurate, that there was something more that was missing. You're a lot smarter than I am. I just oh, shut up. Rank it up. <laughs> <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, no. And I, I don't think I really knew that until later, like really saw it. Mm. But I was just like, man, this is, I can, I don't want to know this information. What is the point of knowing this information? And I liked math a lot more, which I use in my day job. So <laughs> I know you're so lucky that you like it. I wish I did. I just don't. Well, I mean, like, okay, I'm an analyst and you're a, a massage therapist. But like, I need to know math for my job. You yeah. don't. You just need to know body parts. But you've loved it forever. And I, I have hated it forever. I'm trying to get into like numerology so that I can dive into math like okay. real math i mean i feel like you don't really need 
to know real math for numerology because a lot of it's just addition. No, no. I feel like real math is magic, though, based on the people who created um, a lot of mystic, occultist sort of theories. Okay. They were all mathematicians mm-hmm. and intensely interested in geometry, calculus, trig, all that great stuff. No, that makes sense. I feel like it is a sort of a a magical language, if you will. Magic in the sense that it is physics, you know, Mm -hmm. or physical. So we're going to talk about history now, as much as I don't want to. But (laughs) early Christianity was considered just to be a cult by both Jews or the Jewish people um, and Mm -hmm. Romans. Even if you look at Judaism, when God, according to the Bible, the Old Testament, when God told Abraham, leave your idols, leave your family, go wander in the wilderness with your wives. That's a very good point right there. They had gods and idols and whatnot, and they they lived in a nice little cozy town with a bunch of other people that were like-minded. And he just got this schizophrenic vision to just go out into the desert. Yeah. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> I would say it'll sound like a lot of our cults that we'll talk about for sure. Um, <laughs> but Islam was long considered to be a cult by medieval Christians. And of course, many Protestant groups from the Baptists to the Quakers were considered cults by other Christians. If you read the book, and I had to, I went to Bible school after high school. Yeah. I read all of your, your Bible school books. By the way, when you came home for breaks, I read them all. It was new. I needed to. (laughs) Right? Something new to read? Well, I was told that after high school, I was not allowed to join the military. I was not allowed to apply to secular colleges. That if I did that, I would go to hell. Um, And that this was the only choice that I had. And they would drive me to this Bible school. And then that was was the only choice I had. So I went um, because I didn't have a license. I didn't know how to hold on a job or have a job. I didn't know anything about what it was to live on my own. I had no money. I had no nothing. So there really weren't any choices in my brain at that time. Sure, I could have done something and gone to live in a group home or whatever to try to get on my own feet. But that at 18, that is, or 17, because I graduated at 17, that's terrifying. Terrifying, yeah. Even now it's terrifying being an adult and having two kids and being married. Like, I, this is why it's so easy for people to fall into cults because you don't have to make decisions. Someone else is telling you exactly what to do with your money, how to do it, how to dress, Mm -hmm. how to be, how to think. And our almost reptilian brains go into, well then sure. I could just do all these things and be so much easier. I feel like it could be the part of us that needs community. Yes. No, I definitely agree because a lot of the people that joined cults, feel like they've been ostracized by the church or by their own group or their families, their social networks, whatever it Mm -hmm. is. And that's what drives them to join these groups. Yeah. Or they just have some other beliefs as the, uh, the leader. Um, But yeah, so I had to take this book or this class called cults and we read the book kingdom of the cults by Walter Martin, I believe is his name. And if you have listened to the podcast Cult-ish, that is based on that book. We are not going to take that approach because we are not Christians. 
Mm-hmm. We're not going to tell you how to talk to a Mormon. We're not going to tell you how to make a Jehovah's Witness convert to the true Christianity. <laughs> like that's, that's not what we're about. That's not our message. No. No. Our message is information, research, and a lot of opinions. <laughs> Lots. <laughs> and our own personal story weaved in there. Like that's that's how we're going to tell this story. So y'all are in for a ride. It's going to be amazing. Ooh, ooh. The definition of cult, it didn't even start until the 1900s. Um, but if your definition of a cult is a group with a charismatic and very odd leader who thinks that he or she has direct access to the divine and spreads a theology that seems both heretical and confused to the established religions around it, then Christianity, Islam, Buddhism were all cults at the beginning. And Judaism. All of these were cults at the beginning. If you believe mm-hmm. that your definition of a cult is this group with a charismatic you know, leader, all this stuff that I just said, that is what a cult has been almost defined as in its very beginning. Mm-hmm. Now, the, what makes a religion a religion is that it has withstood the test of time. That is it. That is all. It's a cult that's still here. <laughs> that's it. Like, really, like, realistically, the cult is just, it's just kind of, like, lingered. <laughs> that's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> What happened to the sun god cult? Let's bring those people back. You know, <laughs> yeah. I actually, okay, so we had some Jehovah's Witnesses, which they were um, two African-American women. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but based on what I, at least what I was taught about Jehovah's Witness, black people are not getting into, the, into heaven. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Which we're going to find out. Is that true or is it not? Is that actually based on any type of real validated information? I don't know, but that's what I was always told. So I I was a little confused by that in the first place. But they showed up to our house and they were like, you know, we want to, hi, you're not expecting us, but, you know, we'd like to talk to you. We're Jehovah's Witness. And Chris talked to them because we have one of those video cameras on our front Mm -hmm. door. Um, And he was like, nope, not interested. Thank you. Goodbye. Hail Satan. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, have a nice day. So I wanted to get a no soliciting sign that I saw on Pinterest. And I cannot find who made it or where it's from. But somebody who's listening to this, make me this goddamn sign. It says no soliciting those trespassing will be sacrificed to the old gods and not the new. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Make two copies, please. (laughs) Yes. I was like, Oh my God, I need this sign somewhere. I wonder if that's copyrighted. I need a t-shirt. I want to make one. (laughs) I, Oh man, we can totally make a t-shirt that says that where, I don't know, we could say, um, don't talk to me or something like that. Or, Uh, no time for bullshit. If you bother me, you'll be sacrificed to the old gods and not the new. Something, something. We'll come up with it. It'll be amazing. It'll be if on you a open shop your guys. mouth and there are no tentacles. You will be killed. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so let's bring back the old ones. Um, so based on a study done by Howard P. Howard P. Becker. In 1932, there are two different categories of religion. There's a church, and then there is a sect of that church. It's S-E-C-T. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah. 
not sex. The church is very ecclesiastic and, and denominational. Christians, Catholic Church, any subgroups of Christianity where have very similar beliefs and practices as mainstream Christianity or Catholicism. Okay. A sect is a subgroup of the religion utilizing a different belief or practice. So they kind of throw in their own little twist, but they're not hurting anybody's. Right. Gnostics and agnostics, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. Cults, they lack in organization and emphasizing the private nature of their personal beliefs. Don't tell anybody. This is how we're doing it. Uh, Very secretive. uh, Keeping things. Sounds like a child molester. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Very just like, this is the way it is, but don't tell anybody. Yep. You'll see this, um, our listeners, you'll see this in the first cult that we talk about, Terry Hoffman. She had this approach with her inner circle that, which if you want to join our inner circle, (laughs) you can go to our (laughs) Patreon. Uh, Her inner circle was very private. They were fighting against the slimy garbons and this whole thing, but they weren't allowed to talk about it with other people. So that is the cult. That is what I'm talking about when I say that they emphasize the private nature of their personal beliefs. Now, in the 1940s is when they came out with this very Christian counter-cult movement where new religions started to pop up everywhere. And they were claiming to be Christians, but they were also seen as very unorthodox Christians. Like Mm -hmm. they weren't really following the dotting their I's and crossing their T's kind of way. Uh, They were considered cults. So these Christian cults are new religious movements uh, in which there's a Christian background, but are considered to be theologically deviant by members of other Christian churches, which I mean, that in and of itself is just like, what's the point? Right. Like, why does everybody have to be like, well, you know what? You think this one thing different or you're interpreting the, you know, quote unquote scriptures this way. And so, you know Mm -hmm. what? I don't like it. You are a cult. (laughs) Um, And we see that in the book Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. Uh, He refers to the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints or Mormons. Uh, Christian Science, Jehovah's Witnesses, Unity Church, and Seventh-day Adventists. Now, some of those we may discuss as cults based on how they were formed and based on our own criteria, but we're not going to take the approach of we believe in this type of way and you're not thinking that way, so you're automatically a cult. Right. No, we're not about that life. No, no. So... Uh, this Christian countercult movement, it asserts that Christian sects who be- whose beliefs are partially or wholly not in accordance with the Bible are wrong. It also states that a religious sect can be considered a cult if its beliefs involve a denial of what they view as any of the essential Christian teachings, such as salvation, the Trinity, Jesus actually being a, an actual human being, the ministry of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Christ, the second coming, and the rapture, which we are all still waiting for. Right. Thought that was happening in 2012. God you damn know, it. <laughs> those Mayans were wrong. <laughs> and the world did not happen. 
Second Nature is a premium service solving a very unpremium problem regular air filter replacement. Even that sentence alone sounds a little dull, but trust us, it's a problem worth solving. Most people don't recognize they're supposed to change their filters every couple of months, and the ones that do barely have time to remember it. That's where Second Nature comes in. I recently subscribed to Second Nature when we bought our house, and I could not believe the amazing quality and options that are available for air filters for your home. I love the easy set it and forget it. I get a monthly filter because my son and I have really bad allergies. Second Nature made it so easy. And using our promo, you can get a month for free. We definitely recommend that you try it out and stick with them. We've been with them for almost two years now and we absolutely love them. You can go to sisterscult.com slash second nature. With a second nature subscription, you'll never forget your filters again. In the 1970s, uh, the secular anti-cult movement started up where this movement was formed because family members would be brainwashed, quote unquote, by these cults and would require deprogramming. So these families would go to these uh, cult kidnappers, pretty much is what it was. People would, so if you, Jada, formed, uh, joined a cult, then I would hire someone to go and kidnap you back out of the cult. But then you'd have to go through a deprogramming phase. And a lot of people went back to the cult. Oh, my God. Because the way that they were deprogramming people, they were using some of the same tactics that the cult was using. Well, that's smart. Yeah. yeah not smart at all. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> so... What is a cult? A cult takes religion to the next level. It involves shunning your family, shunning your friends, arranging marriages, financial control, and indoctrination. Now, there are certain subcategories of cults. Uh, there's the destructive cults, which these groups, uh, their members are usually physically injured. They kill members, and we will see that, and you will be warned. Like, this is not a podcast for kids, just no. so y'all know, um, in case you haven't known already. Unless your kids like cults. I mean, even then, <laughs> there are some really sick ones that are going to be extremely triggering, like the yeah. anthill kids. Uh, which involves physical and genital mutilation um, of the I'm members. I'm excited about that. It's, uh, it's going to be bad. Uh, but we'll have some fun ones in between of some not-so-like-scary-and-culty cults. Yeah, that one's going to be hard, and I don't, like, nobody under the age of, like, 16 should listen to that episode. That's a very destructive cult. And then you've got the doomsday cults. They believe in the apocalypse, that there is mm -hmm. going to be some mass destruction, asteroid level, you know, end of the dinosaurs type of thing. Which, Jada, did you know that apparently Christians don't believe in dinosaurs? Shut up. So we were never taught this. No. Growing up, that there were no dinosaurs. There's dinosaurs in the goddamn Bible. What are you talking about? Right. Like, there's... Like, what? <laughs> Leviathan, the behemoth. You know? Yeah. I don't know. But apparently there are some Christians out there that do not believe that there were dinosaurs, that it's all a lie. Now, the time frame of the dinosaurs, that's arguable between all Christians and all people. 
Right. Of course. But like you can go to a museum and you can see some bones, even if you don't think they were like lizard like animals, they were definitely there, buddy. Exactly. Agreed. That's weird. And like, okay, so there's one belief, which I've always uh, taken this approach. You know, they say God created the earth in seven days, right? It's seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that makes the week, which even then the week, and time frame and calendars didn't really start till Julius Caesar anyway, so I'm not really sure how that makes any mm-hmm. sense. But that's besides the point. I mean, it's kind of the point, but... Yeah, <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> I've taken the approach that each of those days was a million years. Oh, I like that. Or like millions of years. It doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. I don't think it matters to God if he's real. No. Yeah, she... Right. You know, you meant what I know. Yes. Gosh dang it. You meant what I know. That ingrained bullshit. I know. And like, <laughs> like, I don't believe any of this stuff now, but when I was growing up in this, I always had this approach of like the belief that it was millions of years. And that's what explains the whole dinosaurs at different levels and then being millions of years old, because why not? You know? I do. Have you heard Little Dickie's song where he talks about dinosaurs? No. He says, like, why did God, like, he made the earth for them. He populated the earth with dinosaurs. And then he was just like, eh, no, no, those are stupid. Why'd I do that? Why'd I put dinosaurs on this bitch? I'm going to just kill them all and make some humans. He's like, I'm way, way off. I'm not a fucking dinosaur. It explains a lot about um, this idea of a very sadistic God. Mm-hmm. And it almost reinforces it. But I also think, and this is just my own conspiracy theory on acid, um, not that I've ever been on acid, but this is my conspiracy theory. Aliens, okay, like, I know this sounds crazy, but we can't be the only things in the universe. That, no. like, with the expanse of the universe and the wormholes and all of the ancient aliens episodes that I have watched. (laughs) That's the real ticker. You know, I didn't watch that shit for nothing. For nothing. (laughs) Hours of it. Trying to put my kids to bed. Like it's the most boring informational thing you can use to put on to try to put your kids to bed. But like, seriously, it would explain us being on this earth and like certain advancements of humanity. That we suddenly made. Yeah aliens i know some people who believe humans are some sort of earth life alien hybrid okay so like lizard people that live at the center of the earth kind of thing um yes i would say that they're i mean there's this picture going around the internet of like a a a monkey woman holding a human baby and it's like a family picture and her husband is this gray alien with the big black eyes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then the baby that they're holding is just a normal little human baby Hmm. she's a monkey Interesting. so i think that's what they're basing it on is like they came down and i don't know if they did genetic testing or if they actually procreated with monkeys in this theory but yes i know people who think that so there's also scripture god damn i know way too much useless information from the old testament (laughs) but in the old testament they also talked about the angels the fallen angels yeah that came down Coming from the sky came from the sky made giant babies <laughs> and made giant babies that started eating everything alive 
like not cooking them before they just they consumed the bugs of the field and the birds of the air and there was blood and guts everywhere that's what i remember i think i said it right that's directly from the bible <laughs> that's what the bible says yeah like anyway those are doomsday cults <laughs> and then you've got the political cults which are groups that their primary interest is political action and ideology we won't cover a lot of those um but if you think about and i can't even think about one right now but there's i want to say the true russian orthodox church okay is on the cult-ish side uh so we might talk about them but their approach is very political and then there's the polygamist cults, groups that teach and practice polygamy, mm-hmm. which is marriage between more than just two people. There's the racist cults. We all know about those. And living in the South, it's pretty interesting. Oh, I bet. I'm so sorry. I mean, they're passive, so it's not like I have to really deal with a lot of it. But I do have cult, like, uh, co-workers who, I was saying cult workers. <laughs> I have some cult workers. I have co-workers who believes that uh, there's nothing wrong with having the Confederate flag hanging out. Well, we have some family members who believe that as well. I'm not surprised. Those are the racist, <laughs> the racist cults. Those whose members associate with the belief in a superiority of one race of people over another. And then you've got the terrorist cults, which are groups that prepare and force their members to act without any moral questions to kill other people. This we'll see, I want to say Om Shinrikyo, uh, the one in Japan, where they mm. uh, used sarin gas on, um, in train stations and things like that. That's a terrorist cult. So when you Google new religions, you'll find Heaven's Gate, Jehovah's Witness, Wicca, Discordian, Transcendental Meditation, Church of Subgenius, and Rastafari. And when you go court organizations, you'll get People's Temple, Nixium, Unification Church, the Family International, Order of the Solar Temple, and the Manson family. So Google usually is like they've categorized things based on all the research and all the studying. So this is how they have grouped these two things. Now we will be talking about some new religion. Um, We will talk about Heaven's Gate. That's uh, considered according to Google a new religion, but it's also a cult. Yeah. So Jada, I feel like we've talked about the camp a lot, but what are some other things that were a bit culty about the camp? They, um, they taught you only things that would help you to, uh, what do you call it, meet expectations that they had of you. Basically, mm-hmm. you had no skills to survive off the grounds. 18-month program, originally, it would always turn into a much longer time period. For us, it was 10 years. For other people, it was five. For some, it was 20. I think the reason for that is this idea, and this is like why I consider it a cult is that they didn't teach you or enable you to live on your own. It was very Mm -hmm. reliant on them for all direction, for all information from God or otherwise, Mm -hmm. and for all life choices. Like you were only reliant on them to make the next step in your life, which that's cult 101. Remember how we weren't allowed to have phones or any internet access or talk to people who were not on an approved list? <laughs> you remember that? I understand the idea of it. If you're dealing with women with drug issues, sure, I understand. 
you don't want them calling their pimp. You don't want oh. them calling, you know, people who are toxic to them. Sure. But in the same sense, you also have to empower people to make better choices and to live mm-hmm. a better way. More than just 10 years of being told exactly what to do, what to eat, how to how to live, how to discipline your children, all of it. That part was really um, difficult to come to terms with. And it's something that I actually denied for a while after we left was that there was a really abusive atmosphere, not mm-hmm. just psychologically. A lot of kids got hit by someone who was not their parent. And a lot of kids only got hit by their parents, but their parents would go just buck wild on them so that nobody would think they were being too nice or too lax or, you know. Yeah. Do you feel that that's changed your approach on how you're a parent? Oh my God, absolutely. Um, we we tried spanking. It's, it's not going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Never has. So we don't do that anymore. Um, we talk a lot about why things happen mm-hmm. when they happen. And, um, how to deal with them next time. And if that doesn't work for you, we'll, we'll try to figure something else out. You know? Yeah. Same. We, we do minimal spanking. It's gotta be like something really, really, really huge. Like crazy physical violence is what I'll go for spanking. I don't know. Even then I feel like violence begets violence. So, right. Like how am I going to hit you for hitting somebody and tell you not to hit anybody? Exactly. And in the same, it's really hard having a nonverbal child. So uh, my youngest is nonverbal. He's going to speech therapy and he's you know about to go see an occupational therapist soon. And so it's like, he cracks me up. I love he's him. He's great. Mind wise, he is at his age level. He's two and a half and he can do puzzles and he's super intelligent and he's super fun loving with a whole lot of sass, <laughs> but like he cannot communicate with us and he's he's working towards it it's very slow going uh and he talks Mm. like a almost one-year-old and so it's really hard for us to like communicate things with him and explain things to him when like yes his auditory learning is great and it's like he understands what we're saying but it can still feel really frustrating and it's like we can't revert to spanking when he hits someone right um because we can't explain to him why we're doing it in a way that he'll understand. For us, it's a lot of like hugging and holding and nice. Don't hit your brother. Um, mm-hmm. This hurts me. You know, that kind of stuff. And it's it's so hard because we have to take a different approach than our parents took, both my husband and I. Yeah. And it sometimes it feels like, Am I even doing the right thing? I mean, I turned out kind of all right and I got spanked. Right. But I can't, like, we can't have that mindset because just because no. we turned out kind of all right. I've, I've read a comment one time that somebody was saying the same thing. Like, my parents fucking hit me. Their parents hit them. We're all fine. And they're like, well, if you feel the need to hit your child, then you're not fine. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if your child can make you so angry and so violent that you want to put your hands on them, then you're not okay from your childhood. Yeah, that's so true. And it's like, like violence begets violence. It's just a, it's a terrible cycle of absolute craziness. And um, I love Russell Brand. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I love his sobriety story. And I just love, I, I have his audiobook and his uh, biography. 
And I just, I love everything that he puts out and the energy that he kind of gives to the world. And he had an interview with Brene Brown and it was amazing. Um, and he was asking what to do with his two-year-old because she'll hit. Um, he's not sure how to take, you know, handle it sometimes because he wants to like lose his mind because he's getting hurt. And she asked, you know, are you a spanking family? And he said, no, mm-hmm. we're not. And she said, so what she did with her kids is she takes the, uh, the choice theory approach. Choice theory is you have two choices and we do this with our five-year-old and it works really great. Look, you have two choices. Either you can eat the rest of your food. Oh my God, I do that. And get dessert or you don't eat the rest of your food and you're going to have to go to bed hungry. Yeah. I call it door number one and door number two. (laughs) There you go. I've been doing that. That's so great. Brene Brown said, this is how we do it. And if your kid is violent and is hitting, then you say, look, we don't hit our family in this house. This Uh hurts me. We don't hit our family. We don't hit the people that we love. And it, it also gives them like that idea of this is never okay. So if, Uh when I grow up, if someone hits me, that's not okay. Uh Which I love that. I love that so much. That's yeah. Because you can definitely teach your children that it's fine to be hit. Yeah. It's hard. Being a parent is hard. (laughs) Oh my God. Tell me about it. It's like constantly questioning your sanity. We're going to do some like getting to know us stuff. Now that we've kind of told you a little bit of our story, we don't want to spill the beans on everything that happened growing up because we want you to listen to the rest of this podcast. (laughs) Of course. Jada, if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Soup. Really? What kind of soup? (laughs) Literally, just soup because you can make any kind of soup. It's true. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. You can make spaghetti soup. You can make taco soup. You can make chicken noodle soup. You can make salad soup. I don't know. It would probably be cold. I know there's cold cucumber soup. What? Yeah. <laughs> so I've made lasagna soup, which is fucking amazing. Ooh. It's so delicious. And then uh, now I'm thinking about like hamburger soup. I don't know if I could do a cold mm-hmm. soup. Um, for me, the one meal that I could eat for the rest of my life is probably tacos. I just love tacos so Ooh, much. Good There's choice. So many different ways you can make them. So many different ingredients. Very true. So good. They can do a vegetarian taco, a fish taco, a chicken taco, a beef taco, a steak taco. I love your choice. (laughs) All the tacos. (laughs) What is uh, your favorite book to read, Alicia? You know, my favorite book to read is the Bible. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we have expressed all our feelings on the Bible. I gotta say my favorite book to read is Wuthering Heights. I remember reading it for the first time in high school. And I just felt, okay, so I really wanted to be a goth in high school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it gave me that almost, uh, what's that word, macabre? Kind of like the deep, the dark, the mysterious kind of um, opening that I, I didn't like Jane Eyre because I felt like it was just too dramatic and I didn't like the male lead in that one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He literally had somebody locked up. You know, okay. Uh, his yeah. wife, like, <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, and maybe that's what got me into crime is this dude who got his wife who had his wife locked up and tried to remarry. Right. Ugh. I feel like Wuthering Heights kind of gave me that 
uh, insight into the human mind and human nature that I'd never really been able to see before in reading okay. and reading was always my escape. What about you? I, um, gosh, I'm so glad you brought up Weathering Heights because that was also one of my favorite books around the same time that you started reading it. But my favorite book at the time and still today is um, The Count of Monte Cristo oh, yes. for very similar reasons. Like I wanted to escape my 12 year prison mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, just take revenge on everybody that ever did me wrong. So it was like the perfect story to feed my, um, my fantasy of getting out of there one day, you know? Yes, no, I do for sure. Count of Monte Cristo is such a good one. And I remember, I don't know how many times I read The Count of Monte Cristo. It had to have been five times in a row. I was just obsessed. I want to tell you about WILD. WILD is a business retreat for female identifying entrepreneurs in creative industries. This retreat is focused on fostering community and connections, business building strategy, and inspiring courageous action. You can join me, Alicia, at WILD in Black Mountain, North Carolina in June. It is only for 35 attendees. My wonderful friend Nicole is hosting the event and I absolutely love kind of what she's just bringing to the table and her experience and this retreat is going to be amazing. If you'd like to know more about Wild or maybe you're going to a different retreat sometime this year and you'd like a free resource on how to make the most of that retreat. Well, I have a free download for you that my wonderful friend Nicole gave us to give to you, our audience. To get that free download and to find out more about Wild, you can go to twosisterscult.com slash wild. See you there. I feel like we were both trying to escape in our, in our minds and had very similar uh, book, style, book taste uh growing up yes yeah we shared a lot of books oh yeah i mean was there anything else to do we weren't allowed to watch tv so (laughs) right no no little house on the prairie don't you disrespect (laughs) i can't watch that anymore little house (laughs) i have not even watched any since we left i just i can't there's just certain things i just can't watch too many Mm -mm. nope good (laughs) do you still remember the uh intro song per chance dun 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 oh yeah for sure (laughs) oh my yes that's what 12 years will do to you (laughs) oh yeah if you could go back in time what year would you travel to so it depends on like do i need to live there for the rest of my life sure or can i just travel for like a week um i really want to see like with my current immune system, mm-hmm. the dark ages. Mm. I want to see what kind of weird sorcery shit was going on then. Hell yeah. There's got to be a reason it's dark. Well, then also you think, okay, who was keeping track of the years during the dark ages? Mm-hmm. Time is an illusion, guys. <laughs> Aliens <laughs> exist and time <laughs> is an illusion. <laughs> if you've learned anything from this cult or religion... <laughs> episode (laughs) time is an illusion and aliens are real but like really like i want to i want to know why like is is it really 2020 um is it really no 
I would definitely say no. I don't think so either. Yeah. I can say that with 100% certainty. (laughs) Really? Nice. Okay. I'm like 65% sure. (laughs) I feel like you know something I don't. Um, What about you? If you could travel back in time, what year would you go to? I would try to like weasel my way into Elizabeth I's court. Oh, yes. See what was going on in there. Because she had like a court sorcerer. Mm -hmm. John Dee was her court magician, occultist, whatever. I feel like it's, um, I don't know. Like the golden age of Queen Elizabeth. Just really. While I do love her and I love all of the stories about her and I've always loved studying her, I think there's a lot more to the story than this lady never took a wife. She was King Henry's daughter. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You mean a husband? I don't think they were taking wives then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. I mean, maybe now she could, but you never know. Maybe she'd take me as a wife. I don't know. Shit. I did mean husband. <laughs> I knew what you meant. If you could describe yourself as an animal, which one would it be? Well, I don't have a favorite animal. I love, I love wild creatures, but not like want it to be my pet. Love it because <laughs> I'm only half white. I feel like I'm like a bear dog cat sort of thing. Okay. Which kind of sounds like a hyena, but I don't feel like hyena fits. Got it. I feel like I'm very bear-like at sometimes, very cat-like at other times. I feel like dingo. Yeah, maybe a dingo. A dingo. How about you? So when I think like spirit animal, I just want to be a goddamn albatross. Dude, I just want to like soar over the oceans for miles and miles, not have any natural predators. I don't think they have any natural predators. Unless they're like chilling on the water and like a killer whale comes up because those are just some beasty ass motherfuckers. But I just, I don't know, albatross always comes to mind of like just this majestic, really badass bird that's just super loyal to family, but also gets the job done going out and scouring the earth to find food for their family. And I don't know, it's just, I resonate. I like that a lot because you have a very earthy energy. It makes, like it makes a complete picture mm-hmm. for an, a bird air energy, if you will, to be your other part. Yeah. Alicia, if you were to start a cult, what would it be called and what would the requirements be? I think it would be a super dope cult. Like everybody just do whatever the fuck you want. Nobody has to like there there wouldn't be a lot of requirements. No diets would okay. be a requirement, I think. Like yeah, there's a lot of those cults out there that are like you have to eat vegan or you have to not eat I don't know like cows that are left-handed i don't know this weird stuff that's out there i'm like i don't really care about that stuff so i think i would want everybody to just eat whatever they wanted so if people did want to be vegan then sure but if they wanted to eat a cheeseburger then more power to you and i think that everybody like there couldn't be any type of like organized religion Mm -hmm. based around it because like that's what, I guess that's what makes a cult a cult, right? Is that you, you're demanding a certain type of mm-hmm. attitude yeah. and religious practice around um, the way that people are thinking or you kind of demand how people think. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at like Manson family, uh, they weren't really based off of any type of religion, more of just a thought pattern. Yeah, I think that would be more my kind thought pattern. Manson family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Before the murder, right? Before the murder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Free love. 
hopefully <laughs> nobody gets any STDs. Um, I mean, not that Manson, Jesus, but yeah, you know, close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more chill anyway, so and super passive. So I feel like even if I tried to like make demands. I'd be like, so yeah, you know, if you could just do that, that'd be great. <laughs> Passive, aggressive, demanding. I love yes. it. <laughs> Kid, thanks, bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think I would just call it, I don't know, light of Mother Earth or something like that. Just something very earthy and just light. Because like anytime someone's like, oh, I'm going through this really hard time. I'm like, you know what? I'm sending you love and light because that's that's about all I can send. Touche. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of what it would be. What about you? I'm apparently really bad at thinking of names for cults because I, I can't come up with a gosh darn thing. <laughs> I wanted to go for pachyderm giggles because back in the day when I used to smoke a lot of greens, that's what we used to call it, was pachyderm giggles. A pachyderm is an elephant, of course. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't know why we did, but I'm going to go with that. I like it. <laughs> okay. Requirements would be... Obviously, you have to smoke green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're willing to grow it and you don't want to smoke it, that's okay. But I mean, we'll accept you. It's not that ideal, but we can do it. You'd have to be nice. Not like, you know, disgustingly overly polite or fake nice, just like no shitty people. No shitty people. And you'd have to be willing to learn things because I feel like if I wanted to start a community, we would have to all be in it together and uh, support each other. So if somebody knows how to fucking woodwork or something, then somebody else has to be willing to learn that so that it doesn't all fall on one person, you know? I like that, like, uh, sharing of the the duties in that way. Yeah. Duties. <laughs> duties. So mature. <laughs> so that way people, like, if someone gets sick, then it's not, like, all up to one person. Mm-hmm. Because what if somebody dies and then everybody's like, shit, we have no more carpentry. Yeah, no, that's that's true. There's uh, there's a cult that we'll talk about uh, later, but they actually, they're disbanded now, but they started their own fine, uh, why can't I think of, like dishes, plates. Oh, fine china. The whole works. And they're still out, okay. uh, out and about today. They're called Oneida and they're actually based out of New York, uh, Oneida, New York. No way. Um, that's one that we'll talk about later but yeah like everybody just kind of comes together and that's how they make their money and everybody knows how to do it and they make tons of money from it and they're disbanded they did well so generally speaking we'll get into it when we talk about that one but from what i've read the leader started having a very polygamist type of relationships and people didn't like the adults were fine with it but then as the kids grew up they wanted to be more monogamous which you know whatever mm. you know whatever you're into yeah, sure. and that caused uh some issues in the group and so they kind of just disbanded after that as the kids grew up and the adults died it just yeah but the company's still around um and they kept the company mm. after they disbanded so i thought that was pretty cool that is great good for them power to the people if you had a warning label, what would yours say? Contents under pressure. <laughs> oh, good one. Good one. What about you? Mine would say contains alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that. That's great. <laughs> That's a warning label. I get it. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, what three things do you think of most each day? Well, first thing when I wake up. Honestly, mom's face mm-hmm. is 
like the first thing. Uh, and then, of course, throughout the day, I'm thinking of her also. So that definitely counts. Mm-hmm. Um, my son, because he's right next to me as soon as I wake up, we're co-sleeping right now. And of course, like, I mean, I can't not think about him all day right, long. Yeah. It would be impossible. <laughs> oh, my God. I think about the death-life dichot- dichotomy a mm-hmm. lot because I don't feel like they're separate things. I don't think that death is an end of. I feel like it's the yang to the yin of life. Mm-hmm. And they're a part of the same, I don't want to say cycle or circle and sound, you know, cliche, but literally, yeah, they are. No, I understand. Oh, yeah, that. Those. What about you? What three things do you think about most of the day? I would say my family is a big one because yeah. uh, being the sole provider of my family uh, or financial provider, because I do believe that how Chris contributes as a stay-at-home dad um, is a massive contribution to our family. And so I don't mm-hmm. ever... Um, I always try to say financial provider because I feel like he provides a lot of emotional and not even disciplinary, but like instructional support to yeah. the family um, and to the kids, uh, my family. And then food. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think about food a lot, which I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Well, what are you, in what way? What do you mean? Why would it be bad? Like, the kinds of food I think about. <laughs> oh, well, that makes all the difference. It's not like strawberries and, you know, whipped cream or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't like, I don't really ever think about like healthy foods. Mm. Granted, but I also don't think about like sweets and cause I'm, I, I'm not a sweets person. I'm more of a savory. Yeah. Same. So like desserts aren't really my jam, but if you have a plate of lasagna and a glass of Cabernet, then fuck yeah, I will right. go there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, it's just, I don't know. I'm trying to be better to myself, the foods that I ingest and just like trying to take better care of my body and in a way that's like, just makes sense, but isn't super restrictive. It's so hard. Like just trying to like find that balance of like, because I am a very aggressive, like I have a very aggressive personality, and that when I go hard, I go hard. Yeah. Uh, Like when I was working out every day, and I would literally work out three day, three hours a day back when I was in Bible school, and Lord, I was seriously, I was working out three hours a day. I was restricting my calories. I was not going up for seconds, even though I wanted it. Um, I would only have like uh, healthy breads. I was just very strict on what I was eating. It was to the point where I was 118 pounds and malnourished. Yeah. But I had sexy abs and that's all I cared about. And then now I'm at the point where I'm on the other end of the spectrum where like I'll drink all the wine and I'll eat all the lasagna and let me go get thirds. And so like I'm just trying to find that balance. Yeah. How to take care of me and not swing one way or the other because I do have such an extreme personality yeah I definitely hear that so yeah that's why the food is like either it's good or bad and then the third thing that I think about is probably this idea of am I like the short like you said like this life and death thing but like the shortness of life mm-hmm. and how sh- incredibly short life is and as 20 year olds we shouldn't really be thinking about that stuff but having right. dealt with death in our lives or the transition, I should say, um, right. of life, then it's very easy to think about that stuff. But in my thoughts, it takes the approach of, am I doing what I want to do with yeah. my life? Very important. Do I like what I do? Mm-hmm. 
I don't know that I really do or that um, I feel fulfilled in my life. Maybe that's very millennial of me. I don't know. Mm, I don't I don't think so. If it's a millennial trait, then it's because all of the millennials have been fucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and we just want to like contribute more to life. And so I think that's that's usually where my mind goes when I'm like alone and in the shower and just thinking. Um, so those are probably the top three. I love that. Thanks. What celebrity would you follow if they started a cult? It would be Jeff Goldblum, hands down. Ooh, hands up. Sign me in. Yes. yes. <laughs> he is just like the sexiest man on the face of the goddamn planet. He really is. Like in the weirdest way. In the weirdest, most nerdy, like glassesy kind of way. I just, I love everything he puts out. I love all of his movies. I love just his attitude and his, like, we have Disney Plus. And I like binge watched the world according to Jeff Goldblum. And it was just amazing. (laughs) And his feminist approach is just great. And he was like, he had a barbecue episode where he's talking to these like pit masters and they're out there in the woods and it's guys time. And he's like, well, where are the ladies? You know, like what's going on? How come the ladies aren't allowed out here? And they're like, well, this is just our time to get away and like be with our, you know, with our guys. And he's like, well, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, <laughs> like, like, we need more women in here. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I love him so much. And Jeff Goldblum, if you are ever listening to this podcast, we love you. We would love to meet you any day and just kiss your hand. <laughs> I saw an interview where he was talking about his wife and like how she wears jogging sneakers and she's just the most fascinating creature he's ever seen. He can't stop staring at her. He can't get enough of her. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love him. <laughs> I want somebody to love me like Jeff fucking Goldblum, God damn it. I do. <laughs> and I'm not sure you would. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, touchy-touchy involved. Well, even beyond that, he just stares at me sometimes. And I'm like, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm looking at my beautiful wife. You're so gorgeous. And I'm like, thanks. Oh, well, that's fine then, I guess. <laughs> I guess. That's okay. Like, I, I'm working on taking a compliment. I've been working on saying thank you yeah. instead of... Uh, um, but yeah. <laughs> I've been working on that. What about you? If you, if there's a what celebrity, would you follow if they started mm. to call? Hosier. Okay. Why? I would follow Hosier. Um, because I really love his music. It's very, um, it's like not quite goth enough to be like dark and twisty and so sad, but it's, it's very philosophical still and, and meditates on the darker side of life. I feel. Okay. Especially with his videos. If you add those into the song, if you watch them together, it really changes things. Hmm. So if he started a cult, I mean, if it was, you know, based on this music, I guess. Yeah. No, no, even even still, I would follow Hosier. Yeah. Okay. I love Hosier. Interesting. As much, almost as much as I love Jeff Goldblum in the same, like, weird way. You're so strange and I love you. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about Jeff Goldblum. Well, guys, this is the end of the episode. We want you to send us your stories. So were you in a cult? Do you have a favorite cult? Is there a cult that you want us to cover? Do you just want to tell us a funny, creepy, scary, or mystical experience that you had? (laughs) 
Send us your stories at twosisterscult at gmail.com. We'll be launching our Patreon in May, so if you would like to donate to the show, you can do that, and we'll have more details soon. We have some pretty sweet merch available in our shop. You can pick from decal stickers, t-shirts, and other fun stuff. Click shop in the menu at twosisterscult.com. The best way for you to help us out on the show is to like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts previously called iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to tell a friend who you think would like us. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Sisters Cult, and we're even on Reddit. Come hang out with us. We will catch you on the flip side. And don't join that cult.